Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast alongside my partner, Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth. Week 10 is in the books. We soldier forward to week 11, Mike. The picks are in the books. We'll get into the uh, moneymaker picks. We both went one and two last week. I don't have them sitting in front of me, but uh, we both suck. So anyhow, we're pretty much tied in the pick department, but... Week 10 in the books. What do you think about week 11, man? Can't wait. I can't wait. Is this every every year we have the game of the year, right? Mm-hmm. The game of the year. Sure, yeah. Does it get any better than a Super Bowl rematch Philadelphia and Kansas City? Week 11 when both teams are pretty much living up to expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it doesn't get any better than that. And ultimately, I think you can make a real argument that the Philadelphia Eagles are the number one team not only in the NFC, but I think you can make an argument that they're the number one team overall in football. Um, talking about balance, talking about physicality, talking about, like, how do you want us to beat you? Like, how do you want us to beat your ass? You want us to run it down your throat? You want us to out-finesse you? Like, how do you want to get beat today? They've got the opportunity to do that. that. That's how they're built. Kansas City, however, I think it's funny how things morph with football teams. You know, you win a lot, and eventually – um, I used to go to the dump as a kid. That was one of my jobs, right? It would take garbage to the dump. Did you guys have a dump? Oh, yeah, we had a dump. Yeah, so you had to take garbage to the dump. And I would always I would always set, like, throwing objects in the corner of the truck right. so that I could throw them at seagulls, right, and try to pick seagulls out of the <laughs> air, right? Because you're a kid. That's what you do, right? And always, Here comes PETA. Yeah, always <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, I did, as far as you know, I never hit one. I never killed one. Okay, but anyhow, you're throwing this stuff. But the, you were Randy Johnson before yeah, Randy Johnson. Yeah, but by, by the way, <laughs> but the seagulls always hunger. You know, fly over the garbage. Right, they're yeah. they're just picking up garbage. Like when you win a lot, the other teams are like seagulls at the dump. They're taking your leftovers. They're taking your guys. They're saying, "Hey, this backup could be our starter. This guy could be." I like, and they're paying them mm-hmm. huge money contracts. And so you continue to get picked at till you're. Diminished. Your talent level is diminished. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, they're still winning. One, because I think their defense is phenomenal. 
right? What they did last year in playing and starting, like they're playing six, seven uh, rookies and and they're starting, you know, five or six rookies and and they won a championship that way. Those guys are maturing into real NFL professional football players. I think their defense is awesome. Chris Jones is one of the best players in football. But offensively, they're still trying to figure it out. Mm. And offensively, they can control the middle of the football field. I think Isaiah Pacheco's in a really nice piece. But, uh, you know, uh, it's it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Kelsey. And I think, you know, I think when I look at them, I think this uh, – what's the kid's name? Rice. Rasheed Rice? Mm-hmm. Like, I think they've got to do their best, maybe not in this game, but their best here down the stretch to develop a receiver who's dependable, who that can make big-time plays, and he seems to be the guy – to me, that's that target guy that you're trying to grow up really fast, almost microwave the process to get him ready for another world championship push. Philadelphia, how much did Philadelphia, how much do they benefit from losing the the Super Bowl? Like, we see this in sports a lot, right? Teams right. have to go to a certain level, lose, come back, go to that next step. You yeah. see it a lot in the NBA. But is Philadelphia even more dangerous now because of what they went through, losing the Super Bowl, that maybe they cleared that last hurdle before now they're ready to win big. Yeah, you know it's it's funny because um, you know when you when you argue with Philadelphia fans, they'll argue and they'll which you love at, doing right. They'll look at their you know they'll look at their team and basically say you know we've got to fire. Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator. We got to fire Sean Desai, you know, the defensive coordinator. These guys aren't like you're trying to learn your football team. You're trying to learn what they do well, what they don't do well. The other thing that you're trying to do, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you're trying to transition out of your quarterback spending so much time running the football. You're trying to transition from a complete, almost balanced RPO, let's run our quarterback on the designed, you know, run plays based on. You know the zone, the zone read stuff where you're you're flagging the ball in there, and if the end pinches down, you take it and pull it. Like they're trying to get away from that stuff because I think ultimately it's smart. I think ultimately Brian Johnson understands this. I think it's also uh, Nick Sirianni understands that's not a long term recipe for health of your quarterback. And in a league where you know quarterbacks are getting hurt, you know all the time, this is something and and. Jalen Hurts, frankly, has a knee injury that he's been kind of dealing with, and the bye week, I'm sure, did him well. But so they're transitioning and, and, and kind of recalibrating their offense at the same time, you know, where people are just, you know, they're, what are, what are they, 7 1, 8 1, whatever they are, and people are like, we got to make some changes, you know. And I think what they're doing, Philly fan, relax. Yeah. I think relax, what they're doing, you're good. Right. I think what they're doing is really, it's really good stuff. Yeah. And they're really, they're really winning short term. With a long-term view. Right. Right. Which is, that's smart football. That's really smart football. So in the short term, if you can still win games while you're taking this long view of who you are and where you want to go, um, and, and that, I mean, that takes that takes time, that takes patience, that which none of us have, right? But that, it takes, it takes, you know, some coaching and some massaging to get that done. So while Philly and Kansas City is the big heavyweight matchup, the game I'm fascinated about Thursday night football. We got a really good one. Right. Finally, a good Thursday night football match with uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati. Two teams that literally a week ago you and I are talking and we're like, "Hey, you know, is this the best team in the AFC? Right. Is this the team nobody wants to play in the AFC?" And yet, 
both went out and pooped in their helmets. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so now we got a matchup between two teams. Like, okay, which one of you is gonna answer? Which one is gonna? Which one of you is gonna respond after you know some tough losses? Something you and I kind of argue about on our show occasionally is you know you you like to say really stupid things like you know points come in the passing game and blah 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 you know and right and, and where I always say hey man physicality leads to opportunity physicality in the running game leads to opportunity in the passing game and you can make it really easy on yourself when you can dictate running the football and winning the battle of the trenches that to me is football 101 and that will never go in and out of style that will never change last week I, I defy you Go through every single game, regardless who the quarterback is. Show me the team that won the physical battle of the trenches, the team that ran the ball the best, not only with the most yards but the most frequency, and I'll show you the team that won every matchup last week, regardless of quarterback. And, you know, Baltimore ran the ball really well early, and then I almost feel like, you know, you put it on cruise control thinking we got this thing wrapped, and then Deshaun Watson kind of goes off in the second half. I think it was 14 to 14 in the second half, and and they run the heck out of the ball in the second half, they being the Cleveland Browns, and they end up beating them, whatever the score was, 33-31 or whatever. But, but the bottom line to me is I still think the Ravens are may, maybe the most equipped football team in the AFC when it comes to just being able – to dictate to the opponent, being physical and wearing you out in a battle of the trenches. Although it didn't pan out last week, I think they are. I still think they are the team that more than anybody, you don't want to. You don't want to face you because you know they're going to try to wear you out, and then you know the off schedule stuff with their quarterback is impossible to defend. So they're the. Now Cincinnati's a little well, built a little different. Okay, so then yeah. if what I'm hearing is is correct, then are you saying that the key for Cincinnati moving forward on a team that's got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins when he gets healthy, Tyler Boyd, is Joe Mixon? Well, I think that more, they need more think, Joe Mixon. I think you need to mix in more Joe Mixon. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think that's I think that's part of the formula. But the thing about Cincinnati, and they've been built this way, they're built primarily on, obviously, Joe Burrow, and I've talked about him a bunch. He's all balls. Um, the dude is a great player, threw two picks at the end of the game last week, which really cost them, but, you know, uncharacteristic of Joe Burrow. But they're built, they're a shotgun football team. You know, when I did a Cincinnati game earlier in the year, and this is when Joe Burrow was hurt, and you could tell that that calf was limiting him in not only – his ability to escape and movement and extend plays and all that kind of stuff, but it really was uh, it was hindering him. Even though he said it wasn't, he lied to me. That's okay. I, I appreciate that. I did pray for his little baby hands, um, but he he did tell me that it didn't bother him throwing the football. But you could see that on on film, it just looked like, and I didn't buy his explanation. It you could tell that like he's having trouble driving the the tough throws, right? Not the layered throws and the the underneath throws, but the tough throws when you're on one hash and you got to drive it to the opposite sideline, like you could tell that wasn't comfortable. And long story short, they were in shotgun pretty much 100% of the time. And I started thinking to myself, because I hadn't done a Cincinnati game, I was like, are they always this way? Mm -hmm. So then I went back and looked at a couple games from the previous years. And they are a shotgun team. They're primarily a shotgun team. 
Well, here's what happens to you in shotgun, and this is a problem for them. One, it eliminates about 30% of what you can do in the run game. Okay, it just it just takes it out. The thing that I think more importantly than anything else, it really takes away your hardcore run action, play action plays. So there's a difference when you're playing linebacker on the opposite side of the field, right? Mm-hmm. And the quarterback's in shotgun, right? And he catches the ball here, and then he goes like this and hands it to the running back and then throws it. Even if you're pulling a guard, which is the best way to kind of sell run action out of shotgun, but even if you're doing that, you know what the, the linebackers have on you from their position? Vision. Mm-hmm. They can see it. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy to see. And you can play from high to low as opposed to low to high, meaning you can take an extra yard off the ball, and if they hand that ball off, there's enough time to close that thing down and still meet the running back in the backfield. Now, go from shot, go from shotgun to under center. Now, all of a sudden, I'm under that center. Bam, I take that ball, boom, I duck down, and I turn my back to the defense. Can't see the ball. Now, I hand it with my back to the defense and the running back in tight. You can't see. And then, all of a sudden, you, you come out, you dip up, and you stand up. You have to, as a linebacker, honor that. You have to step up. When you step up, you know what happens? That gap between you and the safeties gets really wide. So the intermediate passing game becomes so much more effective out of the run action stuff in in uh, in under center stuff than it does in gun stuff. And it's a to me, you you do yourself a disservice when you spend ninety eight percent of your time in gun. They do it because Joe Burrow is that freaking good. But did you just lay out the fatal flaw of the of the Bengals? Sure. What now, will keep them me, will let, keep them from going yeah. to a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl? I think it's I think it's their fatal flaw. Now, listen, it hinders you, in my opinion, from winning a championship. Could you still win a championship? Sure, because you got Joe freaking Burrow. And you got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and 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 Joe Mixon's a damn good player. You got Really, really good players. And let's let's face it, if you execute and you don't have turnovers and you know, and it, yes, you can you can win any game. They can win any game they line up and play. But when you get into that that snot nose type of like I think those are the hard games for them to win. So we'll see. I mean, they beat Tennessee, who tried to run it down their throat, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, ultimately in a playoff game, they got Tennessee got nine sacks, and they still won because Ryan Tannehill decided that uh, he was in the Christmas spirit, and he decided to give the ball to Cincinnati's defense a mo- on what three times. Well, you're describing the kind of football you play in the AFC North in November and December, and mm-hmm. boy, we got one of those matchups this weekend with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. But the big news: Deshaun Watson broken bone in his shoulder, yeah. undergoing season-ending surgery, and you know, what does that mean? Because as as much as Deshaun Watson hasn't lived up to his billing yet in Cleveland, mm-hmm. you're, you're still talking about a guy with a resume, right? Right. And now you take him out of the mix for this Cleveland team. What does this mean for them and their playoff hopes? Yeah, I think, I think obviously, I think P.J. Walker is a good player, and I think he's a dynamic player. But again, like, how limited are you offensively with the menu that you can present to the defense? Um, how much timing and rhythm does he have with the receivers they have? 
like there's it's it certainly it certainly hurts you. I mean you you know, I know you spent a ton of money on on Deshaun Watson, but I think he's a good player, but certainly he's you know, he's hasn't established himself as a pure NFL starter. And so I think he's dynamic. I think he's got some good things going for him. Um, you know, the great thing for them is they can still run the ball. They've got mm-hmm. a dominant offensive line. They've got a dominant defense. They were a top five defense, albeit they gave up all those points last week. But, you know, they are they are and they have the ability to kind of dominate both lines. So of what scrimmage. am I hearing? Am I hearing correctly that, you know, it, it's, it, it's not great to lose Deshaun Watson, but it's not a death knell for their season. I don't think Deshaun Watson's playing at a level that is that is much more than a, a backup quarterback. I mean, I, have you felt that Deshaun Watson? I mean, he's been he hasn't injured. been a difference been, maker. No, no, he hasn't been. It's kind of like um, he's not losing games for mm-hmm. Cleveland, but he's not winning games mm-hmm. for Cleveland. Right. He's just kind of managing games, and like I said, in the second half was his best half of football that he's played since he signed that contract with Cleveland. But um, that's unfortunate for them. For Pittsburgh, it's business as usual. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, we're just going to play defense. Yeah. T.J. Watt's going to, you know, going to lead our football team. They're really running the ball well. They've got a great balance between uh, Harris and between uh, what's the other kid's name? Warren. Uh, Warren. Yeah, they've got a great balance between Harris and Warren. I like that dynamic nature. Warren is really kind of a, a little bit of a jitterbug, although he's got power. Um, Harris is just straight up, you know, downhill type of guy. Uh, I like what they're doing. I just, I really, I love Mike Tomlin. I just really think they're well coached. And I think one of the things that that just resonates with me is they know who they are. Yeah. And they're not, and they're not like, you don't apologize. No. Hey, man, you know what? We're, we're it's, it, it, there was an old, there was an old, oh gosh, I forget what the movie was, but it was uh, this show and it was, became this truth and advertising thing. And, you know, they were like, this guy was having all kinds of success, success with truth and advertising, instead of pumping it up really big, mm-hmm. he was just like. And I remember one of the ads was uh, Volvo. We're boring, but we're good. You know, that <laughs> right. was like right, right, right. And so that's that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're boring, but yeah. we're good. And and uh, yeah, get ready for another ugly game, right? Yeah, if you're a Steeler fan, get ready for another ugly that, game. Why, by the way, it's what it's my favorite city to go call a game in yeah. Pittsburgh because that's they are they are, they are. The bluest of blue collar. That's why I'm saying it's. I love it, them. It's like you talk about any other football team winning ugly, and it's almost like somebody you feel like you have to apologize for. Mm. But in Pittsburgh, yeah, both the, the fan base and the team, that's their identity. Yeah, yeah, and they wear it so well. Yeah. So yeah, let's go and play some more ugly football. Sign me up. Sign me up for ugly football. Yeah. I'm. I'm in. I am in. I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Uh, Detroit, Chicago, uh, game you're going to be calling. Yeah. This weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chicago, hey, they got they got their issues, but a lot of decisions in Chicago, right? A lot of decisions. Is Eberflus the right guy? Is Justin Fields, if he plays, he's had the thumb injury, he's been out for several weeks now. He had a dislocated thumb on his throwing. What would hand. you do if you're Chicago and you end up with the number one pick? You end up, you got Carolina's pick. You end up with Carolina's pick. Do you do you stay with Fields? Continue to build around Fields? Go get him Marvin Harrison from Ohio State, or do you just say nope? Been there, done there, seen enough. Let's go get uh, Caleb Williams or yeah. Drake May. Yeah, I think, I think obviously the jury is out, and I think you've got to see incredible growth. the The problem has been inconsistency. The problem has been 
for every one game that he has that you're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it's great. Like there isn't that next game. There is not that bad. There's there's one step forward and it feels like four steps back. And like I like I like Justin a lot. I love his athleticism. He has got to be a more consistent player, and he hasn't been. And so that's what you're going to use these next seven weeks to find out, right? You're see if f- he can play quarterback. See if he can actually play quarterback. And yeah. I think you've got to put him in those positions because you've got to make a, a legitimate decision on what kind of guy he is. And I think you have to make. What does a le- that look like? That's a great point. You got to find. You got to put him in positions to play quarterback. What does that mean? It means you got to be. You got to. You, obviously, I want you to run the ball. I want you to take care of that. But you've got to have him play drop back stuff off of play action stuff. You've got to set him up to see, hey man, can you operate this? Can you operate like without being, hey, let's trick everybody and just win games off of RPOs and and read option stuff and let our quarterback become our primary ball carrier? Like you don't find you don't find out if a guy can control the game that way. You gotta find out if the guy can control the game from the pocket. And so now part of that. Is is your co- is your coach going to cooperate? You're three and seven right now, and you know Iberflus, the only other coach in Chicago history, I believe, not to make it into his third season as the head coach, was Mark Trestman. Iberflus mm-hmm. is finishing what his second? I think it's his second year, um, and so um, we'll we'll see. You know, I mean, the other thing is. Do you want to continue to go down the road with a defensive coach when everything has gone offensive in today's day and age if you are going to continue to groom either Justin Fields or you're going to go get Caleb Williams? Those are those are questions that have to be answered, Mike. All right, folks, we've come to the part of the podcast. Well, Mark's we, favorite part of the podcast. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, okay. Where you get to talk about Detroit's offense. Get ready to – wow. Smoke a cigarette, everybody. Dude, they are, they're legit. Mm-hmm. They're legit, and they can do anything. I mean, first off, first and foremost, uh, let's start where the backbone of any football team. It's their offensive line. They're freaking good. They're really good. Decker outside is great. Penny Sewell. I've talked to Dan Campbell about him many times. Penny Sewell. Dan Campbell called him by the best football player we have on our football team. The best football player. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is a full grown ass man. He's got, I think he's got five games in a row of over hundred yards receiving and does the dirty work. I'm not talking about let's run a fade. Ooh, oh, back shoulder. Yee. I'm talking about <laughs> in cutting routes, running overs and just in traffic, catch the ball. And I mean, the guy is an absolute stud. They got a great tandem at running back with Montgomery and with Gibbs, um, they're tight. I don't know what it is about Iowa tight ends. Oh. Dude, if I was running an organization, I would just draft any tight end from Iowa. Just any, yeah. give me anyone, like anyone. Um, Sam Laporta is a football playing Jesse, man. Dude is awesome. But here's what I love. Ben Johnson will be a head coach next year in the NFL. Mark my word right now, the offense coordinator. Um, here's what I love about them. Like, as I was watching film last night of Detroit, I wrote a note to myself. They remind me of an elite level pitcher. Okay. Okay. Let me let me take you down this road. Um, what is it about an elite level pitcher? The guy's got four or five pitches that he's got complete command of, can throw them in any count, and 
they and, and they all look the same coming out. And so for me, with with Detroit, they will formation your ass to death. Two backs, two tight ends, three wide receivers, four wide receivers, back into this, back into that, back into So you're constantly having to make a decision on the defensive side of the ball. Are we going to go base? Are we going to go nickel? What are we going to play? I was kind of sing song. Yeah, it was sing song. It was kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you got to make those decisions, and then they'll go up, down, in, out, can hit any quadrant of the strike zone with multiple plays. So it's like, I mean, one minute they throw the changeup, the next minute they throw the curveball, then it's a ninety-seven mile an hour heater at you, you know, backs you up. And Ben Johnson has done such a great job of giving his quarterback options to get into whatever play he wants to get in based on the defense that's presented. And obviously they know, the whole team knows, it's not just calling it blind. They know prehand like what they're going to get into based on the defense they see. They ran on and, – and by the way, Dan Campbell has got Tyrannosaurus Rex nuts. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. – Carries them around in a wheelbarrow. Dude, he, he's like – yeah, he's like Randy from South Park. He's just got his nuts in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. The guy went for it on fourth down and five Yeah, last week. And you know where he went for it? He went for it on fourth and five. They ran an inside trap play on fourth and five. I mean, it's just like this stuff that he does, he just doesn't care. And here's what he told me, and I love this aspect. He's like, I don't want fourth down to be, ooh, it's fourth down. Like, yeah. He goes, I want my guys to be used to going on fourth down. I think I want fourth down and two to be no different than third down and two for them in their mindset. And how do you do that? You don't do it by saying, hey, man, it's fourth down and two. Think of it as no differently than you think of any other play. Right. No, you're, I mean, you're, you got the pucker factor going on. I've yeah. been there. Yeah. There's a pucker factor. Sure. So, how do you get rid of the pucker factor? You run it on fourth and two all the time. Like right now, he leads the league. He's tied for the lead in the league, the lead, the league oh, lead. Oof. He's tied. He's tied for the lead league. No. The league lead. The league lead. Okay. Tied for, tied the, for the league lead. lead. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. That's why you're the That's professional. That's what I'm here for. Um, in attempts on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Now, he's like seventh. I think they're 17th in conversion rate, and Philadelphia is number one. But Philadelphia is only going for it on fourth and one with the tush push or the brotherly mm-hmm. shove or whatever, right? And they're converting every one of them. Whereas... The Detroit Lions are going for it on fourth and three, fourth and five, fourth and like they, they, there's no fourth down. They don't think they can make it. On. But see, his reasoning for it makes so much more sense, and I can get behind it as a football fan as opposed to just analytics. Well, the right. analytics say this. The analytics say no. I, the idea that he's saying, "Hey, I don't want fourth and two to be any different from third and two. Yeah, let's go, let's go, let's do our not thing. because the analytics say it because right. it's because that's it's what, what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, Defensively, they're defensively. They've given up in the last three games. They've given up two times where they've given up thirty-eight points. So they got to they got to fix some things on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I love this football team. I think this football team can play with anybody in the National Football League. I think they can play with Kansas City. I think they can play with the Eagles. I think they can play with. I think they can play and beat anybody in the league. You know, a few weeks ago, we were looking ahead to the schedule, and we saw Denver and Minnesota on a Sunday night. Yeah, and we were immediately like a lot of people thinking, "Oh, they're going to flex that game." Sure. And then they decided to leave the game in place, and we're like, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. 
Well, what do you know? This Sunday night in Denver, it'll be the team with the longest current winning streak in the NFL, Minnesota with five, against a Denver team that's won three in a row, the second longest streak tied with Philadelphia right now. Yeah. They're two of the hottest teams in the NFL. Right, right. Denver and Minnesota. Who knew? Um, and Denver and, and Minnesota, excuse me, has done all five in a row without Justin Jefferson. Remarkable. Who is? Uh, I talked to him last week. He he's about ready to come back. He was close last week. Close last week. Off Do the you hamstring. want him to come back? I know that's a dumb question. Yeah, but it is a dumb question. Well, you've won five in a row without him. I know. Is it cause effect or no? Total it's, aberration. It's total aberration. Defensively, they have played exceptionally well. And let me tell you. They're one of the toughest defenses to to figure out. Um, Brian Flores not only will bring pressure on any down, play zero on any down, he does not care, but there's also the illusion of pressure. So there's so many times where, you know, they they look like they're pressuring. It looks like they're bringing six, and two guys drop out, one guy comes from the edge, and they're rushing – three or four, you know, they're, they're really good at the zone blitz stuff or the zone dog stuff where you're not bringing extra guys. You're just bringing guys from different areas. And it looks like extra guys to everybody on offense and you're playing coverage behind it. So they're really good with that, but they'll also bring six guys. They'll also bring seven guys. They just don't care. So that's, that's who they are. That's what they do. Um, they're really good at it and they're really tied together and I just think they're one of the fun teams to really watch on the defensive side of the ball. The pastronaut, Josh Dobbs, has just been – he's been unbelievable. And the connection he has with the head coach has been unreal. They started running the ball a little bit better last week. They got away from some of their zone stuff that they haven't been very good at and went to more of a gap like power and, and some of those kind of duo type of runs. And that seemed to sit well or sit better with them in the rushing game. Um, so – no, but but Denver's found a formula. Like Denver is, Denver's found their formula is we're going to run the snot of the ball. We're going to control the tempo of the game. We're going to control the time of possession. We're going to beat you by about 10, 11 minutes in time of possession, and we're going to force you into mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's that's what ends up happening when physicality. When you are so physical and you control the tempo of a game, and you get an offense, an opponent's offense, to start counting possessions, saying, "Hey, the normal possession rate is is twelve." And all of a sudden, we're starting to look, and it's it's nearing the you know nearing the end of the first half, and you've had three possessions, four possessions. And you start to go, man, we're only going to get maybe maybe four more possessions in this game. And so then you start thinking, well, we got to score on every possession. So what happens to you? Well, you quit doing the things that you wanted to do. You quit doing the things that actually win and you start putting the pressure on your offense to score right away and you start putting the pressure on your quarterback to take chances that perhaps he wouldn't take if you were in a normal situation. And so you can sit there and say, well, it's unsustainable. The Broncos have had nine turnovers in the last two games, five against Kansas City, four against Buffalo. And you think, well, you can't continue to get that lucky. Well, you know, luck has the smell of perspiration. You keep pressuring like that, and you keep making sure that that opponent is starting to count possessions, guess what will happen? You'll get turnovers. Those things will come. Those things will happen if you continue to play the game the way they played the game the last three weeks. Isn't that remarkable? Nine turnovers, last two games against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, the same defense that gave up 70 points earlier this season in Miami. I it's, haven't seen a turnaround like right, this it's remarkable. midseason. 
Can't I had remember. Vance Joseph being fired after that game. Yes, you did. I would like to officially apologize to Vance Joseph and Jan- Vance Joseph's family on this particular podcast. I was wrong. I was emotional. I was upset. <laughs> I was embarrassed. I was distraught. Anything that you can add to that, uh, that's about the lexicon, or that's about the, the depth of the lexicon of my vocabulary. Is that was, Did I say that right? If I did, uh, tough. You'll, you'll, you get the understanding. So I, whatever it is that I need to apologize for, I'll, I'll apologize for it because Vance Joseph might be the best redemption story in football right now because what had happened, they gave up three games in a row where they were averaging 200 almost 50 yards rushing per game. Per game! Yeah. Yeah, I fired him twice, I think. Yeah. Vance, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well. What are you going to say? All you can say. What are you going to say? My bad. Yeah, my, my bad. bad. Are we doing picks? Or, yeah, yeah. All right, you, got your, you got yours? Go ahead. Uh, no, did you write them down? No, you didn't tell me what you wanted yet. Oh, no, but you wrote down the spreads? I got the spreads, yeah. Okay, I see. let me see this, your you spreads. You can't read my writing, though. You always complain about my writing. Um, I'm going back to theme-oriented picks. You know what? I started off this way, I was kicking your ass, and then I fell victim to laziness. <laughs> I fell victim to picking the teams that I thought were going to win as opposed to having a theme. And the theme is the key when making NFL picks. Interesting. Everybody knows it. It goes without saying. Oh. So here's my theme. Go big or go home. I'm taking huge spreads this week. Okay. So here are the my first, uh, my first game I'm going to take. Let me see. Miami. Minus 12 to the Las Vegas Raiders. I like Miami, so I'm going to go that direction. Washington, minus 9.5 over the New York Giants. Danny DeVito is playing quarterback for them. The guy is five foot nothing. Danny DeVito is not going to beat the Washington Commanders, guaranteed right here. You heard it here first. And then lastly, San Francisco giving up 11.5 to Tampa Bay. I'm taking the Niners. I'm giving the points. Go big or go home. That's what I'm talking about. If you had any balls at all, you go exact opposite of my picks. No, I like those picks. Oh, do you? I do, actually. You like the theme. Are you going to come up with a theme right here off the top of your head? I like your theme. I really do. Are there any other big spreads that I can jump on? Um,. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to take Detroit minus the 10 against Chicago. I like that one, but I'm calling the game, so I didn't want to take it. Yeah, no, I get you you on that one. uh, So I'm going to take advantage of that one. And uh, I'm going to take Jacksonville to bounce back. Uh, That that was a bad loss for Jacksonville. I'll take Jacksonville minus the 6.5. I I was going to take Dallas on my big pick. Dallas over Carolina, 10.5? Come on. Is it over Carolina? Yeah. You got to take that one. Are you baiting me? Are you trying to bait me into taking that? No, would I bait and switch you? I think you would. Uh, I take Carolina. I take Carolina. I'm going to take Denver. I Denver. like what Denver's got going on, and I think. Sorry, the Josh Joshua Dobbs story is awesome, but it it's got a, the clock has got to hit midnight at some point. Okay, can so. I change my can I change my pick? You want to change one? I'm going to take, take no. I'm going to take off Washington. I'm going to go to Dallas, ten and a half over Carolina. Okay, and, and get get rid of Washington. Okay, okay, that'll endear oh, me, you to all the your Washington fans. Yeah, Mark, the Hog, everything. Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. I trust him. Okay, wait a minute. Let's uh, do okay, I'll write these down. We'll, we'll, okay, we'll write them down. We remember. Uh, for everybody involved in the Sting Truth Podcast, for Mike, I am Mark. We thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe, send us a note, uh, do whatever it is you do. We appreciate you, and we'll be back with you uh, for a week 11 wrap up on Monday.